Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Now, I can remember the first time that I was in church. Uh, They had a church in my housing development in the clubhouse. They was doing a little church service. My mama took us, and the music was right, and the moment was right, and all of a sudden, I started doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk in church. I did. And you know, the ushers and people that come, no, no, that's not a holy dance. That's not a holy dance. But you know, I didn't know. I felt that people was going someplace and I was going with them with whatever I had. (laughs) Then growing up in Detroit, at the end of your block, you know, it'd be like a corner store or something, and then it'd be a, a storefront church. But they would play their music so loud you could hear it all the way to your house. So, you know, one day I just went to get sat in the back, you know, of the church. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never been in that type of environment where people really rocking hard for Jesus, like hardcore, you go in there and something will jump on you. You, 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 you know, I, I, did, I, just, I just started. I, I, I didn't know nothing about God, but I, was just, I, I had a twitch that came on me, a little holy twitch. That little twitching spirit that just kept coming. I'd hear, you know, walk past that church and just be messed up. Go in and, and I just start sneaking past there. You know, one day I was just outside the church because, you know, it was in the, it was a back alley and I was just in the back and I, I just started doing like that. I said, wow, I'm caught up. Making me feel good. That's what I was thinking. And then I, I don't know, most of you raised in church, one of the best things about Children's Church is the snacks. <laughs> we, we, we had the best snacks in Children's Church. It's, it's, we, we got good snacks here. You don't know it, but your kids want all the snacks we had. They can buy it with their Bible bucks. It's great. Uh, our church had rides, picnics. They gave out, they gave out scholarships. The first time, time I heard about Paul's missionary journeys was through Christian education. Oh, here's, oh, here's what I love about church. You know, I grew up and I was an altar boy. Altar boys, where I would grow up, they was the, you the man. I liked the attention you got. Then I was a choir boy. You know, and then when you get to, and one of the, one of the things I really like, you know, I, I spent some time in, 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 in in, in, uh, in church where it's real liturgical. I love the stained glass. I love all the stuff. But the particular church I went through, um, when you took communion, they gave you real wine. Real wine. That's the first time I learned wine. It'll burn you all the way from your top to your bottom. And you just felt the, I said, oh, Jesus warming me up. <laughs> Then you get baptized, they give you gifts, they give you money. They just give you stuff at church. I love church. And 
It's where you get celebrated. They celebrate the college students. They're having meals all the time. When I think about church, I think about all the stuff I get. Because church, I didn't know it at the time, but it's about me. It has to be about me because I get everything I like. I like it, and I, I like just getting in that environment where you just, you get to feel something, you get to do something, you get to get, have you been in the most tragic moments of your life? People have tragedies, anything happen, they come into church, at least for a day. At least for a day. The most celebrated moments in your life, church. People that don't even love God want to get married in the church, especially if you've got a good, you know, Stained glass windows, nice pew set up. You know, they like it. Little, it's real traditional. I like that. It's really good. <laughs> Church is really, really beneficial to those who know how to extract all of the good from it. But I wonder if. The church that I'm referring to is good for me. I wonder if it's as good for Christ as it is for me. Because I'm clear what I get out of it. But I'm not clear if he gets out of it what he laid down his life to get out of it. I like it. I like the setup. Like it's just, I look forward no matter how much you sin in a week, no matter how much you get beat up, you can come into church and forget your sins quick. You can get out of a lot of stuff. You just feel good for a moment. And you can ride that wave at least through Sunday. Monday might just start changing, but you know, you can ride it for a minute. You're doing a lot for me. Today, I'd like to help us look at the Bible to figure out if what Christ wanted for his church is the same thing that I want out of church? Or are they counter to one another? And do I need to come to a fresh perspective of reconciliation about it? We're going to be in Acts 11. And let me set up what's going on. First of all, I want you to know from the moment the church came on the scene, it's been good. The first people, he said, go wait in Jerusalem till you be doing the power. They, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says thousands of people on the first day start coming. And the Bible said they was going, there was every day in the temple courts. There was every day house to house. There was every day with each other eating and fellowshipping and praying and continuing the apostles' doctrine. Everybody was sharing stuff. Nobody said anything was their own. They had the awe. They had the miracles. They had healing. They had breakthrough. That first church had everything you can imagine and think of and want, and they was all staying together on the inside. The first church was good. The first church, however, forgot the first assignment. The first assignment was to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Why didn't they go? Oh, I know why. Oh, I, I, should, I, I should have married it up with another scripture. Because Acts 1-8 say, before you go, go to Jerusalem and go what? Wait. Wait. Ooh, you better preach, preacher. The rest of y'all go read your Bible. Acts 1-8. <laughs> he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you get power. But then when you get it, you're supposed to be a witness in Jerusalem, 
Then get out of Jerusalem, go to Judea. Get out of Judea, go to Samaria. And get out of Samaria and go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's what the assignment was. But I, like everybody else, have been, been, in, have been enjoying all the amenities. This is where you come and just become spiritually fat, just a spiritual tick. <laughs> Terrible analogy, wasn't it? Because <laughs> you just keep sucking and getting everything you need out. It doesn't, tick don't give nothing back. It just gets what it needs at all costs. This church... Because it stayed inward, it's not bad. In fact, it's good. But the enemy of the great is the good. Great wouldn't just them getting something, it would be them delivering on the mission. And after a time, if you don't deliver on the mission, you start having Acts 6, where the Helen, Hellenists and the Hebraic uh, Jews start having a dispute one another said some people getting treated better than the other group now they have factions and they have cultural separation and they have to have divisions but they're not doing a mission the longer we sit here the longer we notice what we don't have in common the longer we sit here we start knowing why God blessing them why they getting attention we start pointing the finger the longer we avoid doing the mission the harder it is for us to come together as a body of believers with a purpose. And that fight, and then they said, let's get some anointed men. And they've got a, a Greek-speaking man named, named, named Stephen. And Stephen started preaching outside, uh, outside to everybody. And, and you know what they did to him? Stoned him to death. You mean to tell me he gets outside of the four walls, he starts preaching a sermon, and the first thing they do is kill him. Now, if you hear that somebody from Bethel was preaching down the street at Brentwood High School and they, and, and they got shot for preaching, are you going to go back to that same high school and start preaching the next day? Let's just talk real for a second. You might be a year later, maybe. Not the next day. There are certain types of persecution that we experience that's to nullify our voice and to keep us ineffective and to keep us from doing anything. The world has been sending you and I a message that the message of the gospel is not welcome in your school, it's not welcome in your workplace, it's not welcome in your, your neighborhood. The very message that the church is supposed to promote to other people has been told, no thank you, we got it, we don't want it. So much so that we've embraced the message and even though Peter in Matthew 6 has been given the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, it uh, the, the, the church, we find Peter being visited by an angel or, or a vision trying to convince him to eat uh, kosher and non-kosher non meat. And he said, rise, kill, and eat. And, and, and Peter said to the Lord, no, I'm not going to eat anything that's unclean. And he, then the Lord said, don't say anything's unclean that I said clean. And he did this three times. But Peter was conditioned to tell the Lord no. The parallel that God was trying to do, he tried to give him a vision to show him that there's too much division between ethnic groups and that the gospel is not being preached and it's for everyone. He's trying to get the leader on mission because if the leader's off mission, the people will be off mission. And he's trying to correct the leader and as he's, and as he's doing it, but the church 
had been used to telling God no because the leadership was telling them no. How often do you tell God, I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing the term, I'm going to pray about it. Let me tell you something about that. Because it sounds spiritual. It sounds like, ooh, I'm going to pray about it. Oh, they deep. No, 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 no. Certain things you don't pray about. Certain things is just facts. You just do that. Like you don't never have to pray about preaching the gospel. That's just what we do. God, do you really want me to preach the gospel? Uh, not this time. Maybe next year. No, he's not going to say that to you. That's the devil. No has got to get out of your vocabulary when you're talking to the Lord. Maybe. I'll think so. I'll pray about it. Lord, are you sure? Let that go. He's trying to recalibrate you. So he gets Peter to go to an Italian man's house who's God-fearing, who just needs a gospel presentation, and he's going to come into the kingdom. But Peter don't want to go into his house because he don't do it, but he has to, and he takes six people with him. He goes there and preaches the gospel, and while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on them, and they all get saved and start speaking in tongues. Then the, when Peter gets home, everybody's mad at him. We, Peter, the news is out, brother. We're trying to keep this, this thing nice in Jerusalem, and you out there, you, you, you hanging out in the houses with the, the wrong people. We don't want people in the global cafe messing it up. Let the downtown people be downtown. Let the, we got a certain socioeconomic thing going on right here. We got to keep it right here like that. We don't want to mess it up. They're going to mess up our seats. Smell, you know what I'm saying? It's a place for that. They got ministries for those people. That was what Peter was going through. That's not what we going through. We much more spiritual than Peter. And God corrected them, and, they, and, they, and, they're, and they're challenging them. And then Peter starts saying, you know what? I was crazy, but how can I tell the Lord what to do? He told us to go into all the world, so I'm going to do that now. Then all of a sudden, you know, then you've got the persecution comes. And here's where we're going to pick it up. We're going to read, just read these from 19 to 26, and then we're going to teach our lesson. Ready? Read. Stop it. You know, I'm not even going to give the instruction. Ready? Read. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Persecution came and caused them to scatter. They just didn't listen to the word and they didn't have, they wouldn't do their assignment. And when they were scattered, they got there and they would only speak the word to the people that they were comfortable with, their own set, their own socioeconomic class. 
But see, the mandate was for every nation. He wants every nation to repent. When you don't see a multitude of ethnicities around you, you've got to have a problem with that. You don't need to go get somebody from another church to come be at our church. This is talking about going to speak the word, the gospel to the people who are lost. Sometimes we keep shining the light. We, we're, you know that little analogy where we shine our light and somebody shine their light back on us. Everybody in your Bible study saved? Everybody? When are we going to invite the people who don't have the light? See, we get stuck like Jerusalem. Oh, I want my nice little Bible study. We're going through Romans now. And when we get through Romans, we're going to hit a little Proverbs, a little Old Testament. You know, but we're stuck. And, and please, hear me. I'm going to have little fiery moments and stuff, but I'm really having a disappointment in myself because it's not just you. I'm, I'm stuck in a place. So allow me to preach it to you with some level of, of, of pushing that's not me beating you. I'm just saying we, we, we have to break out of this pattern. Okay? So yes, it's a little bit of a, a thing on it. Like, is it wrong to have a Bible study? No. But it is wrong to never have occasions where you're preaching the gospel. That's wrong. And then to take everything that Christ has given you. Because we've got to know him and make him known. The next thing that they had is, look at verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch. And they spoke to the Hellenists or the Greeks or the Gentiles, and they preached Jesus to them. So some people that were scattered, some people that were forced out of comfort, some of them preached to the people who were cross-cultural, who were a stain, who, who thought different than them, who voted different than them, who, who ate different food from them, who, who didn't talk like them. I'm going to talk to the people that Jesus Christ died for. The others went for what was comfortable, shining light on the light. I'm telling you that we are called to do this. The Bible says that I, 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 I'm just going to give you a list of scriptures I want you to write down because I, I don't want to just quote this so fast that you don't, you don't write it down. Because I'm, I'm absolutely tired of us e, e, uh, limiting. You need to limit your evangelism to the gospel message itself and stop trying to evangelize people who are not born again. Excuse me, stop trying to disciple people who are not born again. What am I trying to get at? I believe one of the challenges is it's cruel to ask somebody to conform to the image of Christ who haven't even accepted Christ. Well, how, how are they going to do that? They're not. It's illogical, okay? So, uh, uh, so Romans 1 and 6 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto our salvation. You've got to do something. It's the power. If you want to change your, your, your community, you need the power of God. You need the gospel. How does he want us to do it? Put 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 up. This is how he wants you to preach that gospel. Look at this. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 
He ain't coming. And I can't quote it. Boom. And the Lord's servant must not be, say it. He's not asking you when you go out to fight people. Every time you pull out the Bible, it's a fight. Every time you give the God, it's a fight. The gospel is not about fighting someone and forcing your will on someone and berating someone. Keep it up there for a second, please. He said, but be kind. Isn't that hard? Be kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, enduring evil, even if you experience evil people, even if you have people who are evil to you, that does not mean that you should, you should just react to that, come back at them, or, or treat them rudely because of that. So he is a way he wants you to treat them. What he commands, Acts 10 and 42, he commands us to preach. How he saves in 1 Corinthians 1.21, he says, through the foolishness of preaching, he saves. Um, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is the judge of all things living and dead by his appearing in the kingdom, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. What does he want us to do? Preaching should be reaching everyone. This is the purpose of the church. Preaching should be reaching everyone. This is the purpose of the church. My last scripture. Acts 11, 21 and 22. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Whenever you preach the gospel, people have an opportunity to believe and turn to the Lord. The report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to him. When I first, when I first got to this church, when I first got to this church, one of the first things that they did for me was put me on mission. I got to this church. I had only been here uh, for a week's time, and somebody invited me to lunch. I was so happy. Okay, good. I'm going to lunch. It was great. But when, I, when I've got to the lunch lunch. They said, meet me over at uh, Franklin High School. I thought, well, maybe it was a restaurant over there we meet. No, we went into the high school to meet with students, have lunch with them, and they were preaching the gospel to students. Because there's no other person that's assigned to reach your local neighborhood, your neighbor, or your school but you. And everything we did was reaching out to people. Our mission statement at this church is to reach the city to touch the world. Our, our, our vision statement at this church is to minister to everyone and equip them to do ministry. We want, to make, we want you to know Jesus and to make him known. The, 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 the command, I want you to know you have power. When the Bible says in Matthew 16, and the gates shall, hell shall not prevail against the church, it's because you have power, because Jesus Christ has power. So I have a, I have a question to you. What are you going to do? When the persecution comes to you and they say, you can no longer read your Bible. What are you going to do when the persecution comes to you and they say, you can no longer speak the truth? What are you going to do when the persecution comes to you and they say, you can no longer speak his name? How are you going to act? How are you going to react? Because if you become a consumer Christian, 
If you use the church as a tool where you just get what you want, when you want, the way you want it, meeting every need you have, and you don't allow the Lord Jesus Christ to extract from your life that which he ordained for you to do, which is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, then we're in trouble. And you, the gates of hells, the gates don't move. We're advancing the kingdom against the gates of hell. Stop waiting on on, on conspiracy theories to take the United States out, to, to take the church out. You just, we just, I just can't take it no more. Social media conspiracies, everybody's against everybody and everybody's afraid. Why don't the believers, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, just rise up and say, you might not know the way, but I know the way, I know the truth, I know the life, and I can get you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The gospel works for those who work it. He is not asking me to save anybody. He is asking me to present the gospel to everybody. My life should preach the gospel. My words should preach the gospel. My activities should preach the gospel. And I should have nothing that hides the gospel. Because if the gospel will be hidden, it is hidden to those that are lost. People need to know that Jesus Christ became a man and lived the life we should have lived died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he was raised from the dead, proving he was the Son of God, and now he is the author of salvation, offering, offering salvation to those who repent and believe. That message has to be in your heart. That message has to come out of your mouth. And if you and I don't wake up every day, and I'm sorry if this inconveniences you, if you don't wake up every day thinking, how can I be a gospel representative? And here, here, let me tell me, I'm not waking up that way every day, but I know something is, uh, uh, the kingdom of darkness is being advanced to me. Because when he gets me not to be the light, when he gets me to stop my voice and not preach the gospel and start getting quarrelsome and start not being kind and trying to fight people all the time instead of preach the gospel, then his kingdom has been advanced to me. But I'm telling you that the one who has a kingdom that cannot be moved is asking you to preach about that king and his kingdom. And when you evangelize as an ambassador of Christ, you will see people translated out of darkness into the so what type of church are you? What type of church are we going to be? Because I like church so much, I almost got a church addiction. I think I do. I'm addicted to everything it offers. I love it. Everything it offers. But I have not yet become an offering. Sometimes we come to church to figure out what we were to get. But we forget you're supposed to come to figure out how to give. Each of us is leaving here today with a holy assignment that was given thousands of years ago to go into the world. For you, for me, it's continuing again to cross the street and talk to my neighbors who want to talk to me. It's inconveniencing yourself because you're tired when you get home from work. You're tired. You got your kids and your own life to worry about. But our blessed Lord and Savior has given you that house. 
He's giving you that neighborhood. He's giving you your job. He's giving you your blessings. And he'll give you rest. But Jesus Christ didn't come here to eat and rest. He was tired. He was at a, at a, at a well. He was waiting on some food. And they said, you want to eat now? Jesus said, no, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. He was to minister. I'm begging you. Let's graduate Bethel World Outreach Church. Let's graduate because I'm nervous. Yes. I'm nervous for the churches in the Bible Belt because we've been so comfortable with our title that we don't think we had to defend our position. And the way you defend your position is constantly advancing your, your, your kingdom by your king. Who told you that you have to just let the sports teams that you're on be ungodly? Advance the kingdom. Who told you you had to let your classroom be ungodly? Advance the kingdom. Who told you you had to let your workplace be ungodly? Advance the kingdom. Who told you you had to let your community be ungodly? Advance the kingdom. Who told you to let your government be ungodly? Advance the kingdom. And it's more than your voting rights. I'm talking about your rights to bind and to loose. Your right to speak those things just be not as though they were. Your, your right to call angels, to call God to remove what is evil and to bring what is good. What if this church would pray to God and intercede for a broken world? You will see change because we don't believe in just prayer. We believe in answer to prayer. Church, it is our time to rise up and be the church. I no longer covid was the last time I want to see in my lifetime the church immobilized. I can't do it again. I consider it a shot across the bow. That won't be the last challenge we have. But the next time we need to have an answer that's not fear-based. And don't, don't politicize what I'm just saying. Like, like there wasn't a real problem that was going on, but the church needed to provide more real answers. More real direction, not real argument. What about, our, I'm not talking about, well, our church got rights. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about leading the way with the gospel. How do we bring more people to Christ as a result of it? Not more argument, not more quarreling, not more demands. Here's no scripture in the Bible that tells you, said, go in there and demand it from them. It's not. When we go out to walk at the end of this month as a church, it's because we're letting God know we trusting him to reach our city and to touch our world. When we go out and we walk as a, as a unified unify group and we petition, we're showing the world what to do. Stand to your feet. Now, you have homework. This is the altar call. Altar call number one. Don't leave this room today without a new friend. And we prepared a brunch meal for you because you need to go upstairs with that new friend and you need to tell them your two-minute miracle. Your two-minute miracle is where was your life before Christ? When did Christ come into your life? And what is your life like after Christ? Have a gospel conversation with them. Practice with somebody in your faith community so that you can go outside of this Jerusalem church, outside of this comfortable church, and preach the word to other people. That's your assignment today. You're going to leave here. You're going to go up to the gym with somebody you don't know. You're going to share a meal with them, a two-minute miracle. I decided I was going to give you a gift today. 
because Pastor Rice gave it to me. These two things go together. That's a, pur a purple book Bible study. But in the back of this book, we say what the gospel is, and we help you understand. We give you five pages to explain to somebody what Jesus has said. So if you don't know how to witness the people, you know, an easy thing we do, we're going to help you is just say, hey, I got something I'm going to give you. Could you just read those back pages and just tell me what you think later? That, that's evangelism. I'm going to give you this first book. It's $2. It's a Bible, and it's got the gospel in the back of it. I'm going to give it to you when you leave today. And I'm giving it to you because most people aren't maybe have a bold personality like mine, where I'm just not afraid to walk up to anybody. But everybody receiving, the easiest thing for somebody to receive is a Bible. Gideon figured that out a long time ago. So, so you give people a Bible, okay? And then say, hey, we can talk about it later. But I want to put this in your hand. And then the next week, once you practice giving that away, I want you to go buy 10 of your own and just keep giving them away. In other words, what I'm trying to say is always something you could do to advance the gospel. But if you don't participate in the purpose of the church, it won't be his church. It'll be yours. I'm going to say it again. If you don't participate in the purpose of the church, which is to advance the kingdom, the gospel, it won't be his church you're building. It'll be yours. Because like I said in the beginning, I like church. It gives me everything I'm looking for. But I want him to like the church that he died for because it does what he says. Amen. Lord, as we leave this place, we pray you go with us. Keep us in the center of your will. And that's the apple of your eye. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus name. Amen. I love you. Give God a hand of, a hand of praise. God bless you. You're dismissed.